Good morning, friends. Glad to have you on the Wills Point campus. We are uh, excited that you've chosen to hang out with us this morning as we continue our series around Advent. Advent is the expectation or the coming anticipation of what we know uh, as the Messiah. Uh, over the course of the last handful of weeks, we've talked about the hope of Christmas. Uh, we talked about faith during uh, our our Christmas season. We talked last week about joy, and this week we're going to talk about peace. Now, when I think about peace, I think about in similar ways to joy, that it can be something that in many ways uh, we're looking as uh, maybe a feeling or something that revolves around circumstances. It can be something that, if we're not careful, can elude us in our life. Uh, we can find ourselves with hectic uh, schedules, calendars that are full to the brim, parties to be at, uh, things to put under the tree, shopping trips to complete. Not to mention all those things, we also have a uh, work schedule to, to juggle. We have life and kids and so many other things. And you could just look around and just say, man, this was a frantic, hectic, challenging season. And then you could almost take a deep breath and say, where's the peace? But today I, I want to talk to you about what peace is. And uh, I want to look first at the study done many, many years ago by Duke University and where they took a study of a multitude of different people and discovered there were eight qualities that represented people when they had peace of mind. Uh, the number one thing that they uh, represented was a, a group of people that had removed resentment from their life. Uh, this was a, a group of people that apparently through their study, they realized they didn't hold grudges and they didn't have major issues of resentment in their life. Uh, the second thing is, is they didn't live in the past. Uh, seemed to be a group of people that were not preoccupied uh, with you know, failures of their past. They weren't focused on what could have been. Uh, seemed to be they were future-oriented in a lot of ways. The third thing is they didn't waste time fighting conditions they couldn't change. They just accepted life as they came. Uh, the fourth thing was they had a deep connection with people. Uh, this group that was in the study uh, seemed to have relationships that they uh, saw as valuable and seemed to have a deep connection with others. They weren't isolated or uh, they weren't alone. And so which kept them in some ways from indulging uh, in self-pity, which was the number five thing. And so they refused to, to look at the glass half empty. These were the glass half full kind of people. Um, there's probably some of us in this room that we're like, oh man, I, I can't stand those type of people. But the reality is, is that, that the type of people that had peace of mind in this study were definitely a glass half full type of people. Number six, they cultivated old virtues. Virtues like love and laughter, like humor, compassion, and loyalty. These were ingrained deeply in this group of people. The seventh thing is, is they didn't take themselves too seriously. I'm sure these people had goals and objectives, but they weren't afraid to laugh at themselves. Uh, they weren't afraid to make mistakes. And uh, even though they set goals, they, they didn't uh, overanalyze it when they didn't meet their goals. And then the eighth thing is that this group of people believed in something bigger than themselves. Now, as I reflected on this study and as I uh, you know, look at these eight things, I'm sure there are a handful of things that, like me, you could address and go, you know what, I could work on this or I could work on that. And really, friends, that's not the goal. The question that I'd ask you is this, if all of those things were true in your life, would you have 
peace of mind? Would you have what we would characterize as peace? And today I just want to present to you that I don't think that the University of Duke has their hands on what peace really is or or how we would exhibit it. I think as we study the scriptures this morning that you'll walk away with a handful of treasures. And really, I think there's three things that as we note this morning together that you can walk out of these doors and you can know where the source of peace is, you can see where the substance of peace resides, and more than that, you're gonna be encouraged as we leave to spread peace. Now, as we think about the, this whole idea of peace, I can't help but think and reflect on the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. Now, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me to John. If you're new to church, uh, John is in the New Testament. Matter of fact, the New Testament is the second portion of our Bible that tells us about the works of Jesus in the early church. Now, when you get to the New Testament, you're going to... kind of find yourself right away with a handful of books. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels of the good news of Jesus. Tells about Jesus' life, his ministry. And we're in the book of John. So as you're turning there to John chapter 14, let me just set the stage for you in the narrative. And then we're going to pick up in a few moments in verse 25. But in John chapter 14, Jesus has his disciples gathered around. And as they're gathered around, Jesus is going to say these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was exhibiting peace and then the person that I'd been following for a handful of years had paid close attention to his ministry, had left my home, my vocation, my family, um, so many other things to follow, he says, hey, um, guys, I'm about to tell you something and I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I don't know about you, but I'm probably sure that there was anxiousness that abounded in that moment. A group of men uh, looking to Jesus, the anticipated Messiah, the one that you put their hope in, their faith in, the one that uh, ultimately they were seeking for uh, to find joy and peace in. He's saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. And here's what he says next. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. And then he begins to say these words. He says, I'm going to go away. Uh, But if I go away, you need to know that uh, I'm preparing a place for you. Where I'm going, there's many rooms. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. And then Jesus says, hey, and if I'm going to go away, guys, you need to know that if I go away, I'm going to come back because I'm going to be preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you unto myself, which if you can imagine the uh, the tension that's happening in the room, uh, it's perhaps the confusion that's happening in the room, uh, the, the different uh, myriad of questions uh, that are going to be provoked in this time. Uh, then all of a sudden, Thomas, uh, he pops up out of nowhere and he goes, hey, Jesus, if you're going, if you're going away, then how in the world are we going to know how to get to you? Like, if, How are we going to know where you're going? And then Jesus says this classic line in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is just telling these guys, he's going, I'm going away. I'm preparing you for what's going to happen. If I go away, you need to know that I'm going to come back. But then Jesus, as he goes throughout this conversation, just proceeds to help them understand that he's going to go away, that he's going to be obedient to the Father, Uh, the one in whom we see uh, Jesus is the essence of. 
He says, I'm going to be obedient to my father. But then he says, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be here on the earth by yourself. He goes, I'm going to give you a suitable helper, uh, namely the comforter. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you. He's going to guide you to all truth. Jesus is prepping these guys for the anticipation of what's going to happen because Jesus knows that in a very short time, he's going to be going to the cross and ultimately he's going to die, be resurrected on the third day and he's going to eventually ascend to heaven. And he's trying to prepare these guys for what's happening next. As the continuation of that conversation takes place, we land in John chapter 14 and verse 25 and look what Jesus says. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus says, listen, you need to know that you're not going to be alone. You'll recall everything that I've shared with you shortly. And then look what Jesus says next in verse 27. He says, and you can underline this, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The very sentiment that Jesus had echoed earlier in the conversation, he echoes again. And he goes, listen guys, don't be troubled, don't be afraid, don't be overcome with anxiousness or grief or strife. Hey, I want you to have peace. And Jesus in essence is saying, it's, it's peace that I give to you. And the question is, is how does, how does Jesus have authority to say such things? How does he have peace to give? Not only does he say, I'm leaving peace with you, I'm giving peace to you. He also says, it's going to be different than the world gives. In verse 28, Jesus says, you've heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus says, I want you to be ready. Be prepared. And then look what he says in verse 30. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Jesus tells his apostles, the disciples, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm preparing you for what's to come. You're about to see all things transpire. Jesus is leading up with anticipation, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, but even more so, he's also saying, hey, for a temporary season of time, there is an enemy that is going to have authority on the earth and in the earth. And he's going to, he's going to live here and he's going to have his domain. We know, friends, that's Satan. We know that that's the tormentor, the accuser, Diablos. We also know, and Jesus says, that despite all those things that are going on, he makes it very clear that Jesus, number one, still has all authority. And number two, that even though there are going to be things changing, even though there are going to be things that are being struggled to be rectified on earth, we do know that Jesus is not only in charge, but he says, you can have peace. 
And the question that you have to ask yourself, and the one that I've asked myself is, okay, if Jesus says, I'm leaving peace, and it's my peace to give to you, and it's not as the world does, then friends, where does peace ultimately derive from? And here's what I want you to see first, is I want you to see the source of peace. When we think about the source of peace, I think we've got to think about even the words of Isaiah, uh, the, uh, the prophet in Israel's day, 700 years before Jesus ever came to be. I want you to see what Isaiah the prophet says about the coming Messiah, the, the one who would ultimately um, die, um, ultimately be killed on a sinner's stead to be crucified to a cross. I want you to see what Isaiah says about this person, about whoever this is 700 years before he comes. In verse five of Isaiah, it says, but he, who is he? Uh, The Messiah, whoever this is, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities upon him. And if you have your uh, notes or uh, you want to make a, just something to, to pay attention to in Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. Upon him, who is him? It's Christ. It's Jesus. The very one who said, don't let your hearts be troubled. The very one here who ultimately was the chastisement put on him that brought peace. And so uh, here it is. Upon him was the chastisement. The the punishment of God that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, the source of peace is presumably a person. It is one who gives freedom from iniquity. Uh, That's why Jesus says similar words in a sentiment a couple of chapters after what we've just read in John chapter 16 In verse 33, Jesus says these words. Pay attention. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may take heart. Um, Why? Because he goes, in me you you have peace. And so he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, hey, you can take heart. You can take heart that even though uh, there is an enemy that's real, even though there is life that is difficult, even though there are circumstances that are constantly changing, he goes, you can, you can take heart. Why? Because I am peace. He says, in me, you have peace. That's what he's talking about. Which is interesting is Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. He chooses his words carefully as he concludes with a benediction at the latter part of his book uh, or his letter to Thessalonica. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and let's look at verse 16. Paul says these words, Now may the Lord of peace, may the Lord of peace, it's a title there. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. So here it is. May the source of your peace be a person, the one who bore your iniquity, the one who took the chastisement of God. May he be the one who gives you peace. Peace is found in Jesus. He says this in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Friends, the source of our peace 
It's not a study from Duke University. The source of peace, presumably, as we continue on here in the text, is a person. Look at what Paul writes to the church of Rome in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? We've been made right before God. We've been justified through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, do you see it? The only way that we have peace with God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two continues in Romans five, where he says, and through him, namely Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you see all the dots connecting? We have the hope of Christmas. We have the joy and the rejoicing of of Christmas because we walk by faith in this, that Jesus Christ, the one who came, prophesied by many to come and die in our place, has made us right, has brought us peace in relationship to God. Nothing we could earn, but something freely offered as a gift to those who would believe. Which, friends, then changes even the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah, the same guy who told us about the Messiah who would take on the chastisement of God, who would bear our iniquities, who would bring healing and freedom and peace. Look what the titles are, are given to him in Isaiah chapter 9. 700 years before the Christ child comes to to the scene. For to us a child is born. For to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Everlasting Father. Here in a second. But look at that. Um, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. You see these terms? He is the Prince of Peace, which is incredible because it doesn't matter what external measures are going on as long as our hearts find a personal treasure in the person of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Friends, peace is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the source of where peace is found. He is the source of our eternal hope. Let me show you this. This is so encouraging, so incredible uh, as we think about our eternal hope and we also reflect on John chapter 14. You remember what Jesus said? He says, peace I give to you, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. And then Jesus, if you remember, he says, there's going to be one coming into the world that's going to rule. He's talking about the usurper, uh, the, the enemy, Satan. We talked about that, but look what Paul says about the Prince of Peace. And the God of peace in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, look at this, catch this, pay very close attention. It says, and the God of peace, which is the source of all of our peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. Wow, what good news. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Oh man, what fantastic news this Christmas. The source of peace, God himself will soon crush crush Satan. That means that even though we have tribulations of many kind, we can rejoice in the words of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33, when he says, take heart, 
take heart for I've overcome the world. Friends, the source of our peace, the treasure of our peace, the desire of our heart should be on Jesus Christ. Friends, why? Because when you know the source of peace, you can begin to understand the substance of peace. And so we want to talk real quickly about the substance of peace. Um, The substance of peace really um, is just for you and I to begin to contemplate what it means when Jesus said the words in John chapter 14, peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. If, if he's the source and the substance is him leaving something with us, the question is, is what is he leaving? Uh, I'm not going to put it for you up on the screen today, but last week we talked briefly uh, about Philippians, and uh, namely chapter 4. And, and really the following verses, you know, he just shows us that God gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding in verse 7. That, that it is that peace that would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so the question is, is if God desires to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, then, then what is it that, that ultimately gives us peace? And I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions real quickly. Do you think that peace comes from a schedule that is lighter than what you've experienced lately? Does peace come uh, when you finally wrap your hands um, around things that you can manage? Um, Does peace come when you are satisfied with your current financial situation? Or perhaps maybe um, you've been anxious and fretting a lot because your health has been a challenge. But maybe now it seems to be that you're you're in a different place and maybe you go, now I can relax. Maybe I can now have peace. Is it that? Is it that you've satisfied your desire for a relationship and you're no longer lonely? Is that what gives you peace? Is that the peace that surpasses all understanding? Maybe it's that you're not isolated or you're not estranged or darkened anymore. Maybe you're not struggling with depression and anxiousness like you were. Maybe in some ways, you've fretted a lot over a kiddo or maybe your marriage. And in some ways, you would say, well, I now have peace with that. Friends, here's what I want you to understand. Peace doesn't seem to be set around the conditions of our circumstances. I mean, reflect on, on John chapter 14. If Jesus is saying to a group of men whom he's about to leave, take heart, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, Let not your hearts be troubled. Peace I leave to you. Peace I give to you. Different than the world. Then the question is, is how do we have peace? How do we enjoy the substance of it? How how do we have, in some ways, peace of mind? How do we enjoy the peace of a clear and a quiet conscience that we would see uh, in Romans chapter 8? How do we have the peace of a hopeful heart? How do we have peace of a, a longing expectation to go in the, in the future? How do we have peace with God and loving fellowship with other people? Well, Proverbs chapter 12 verse 20 just helps us to see that you have to plan peace. That is something that you have to desire in many ways. Proverbs 12 verse 20 says this, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. Isn't it interesting how those two things kind of go hand in hand? That you would plan peace and have joy? Um, Psalm 34, the psalmist writes in verse 14, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
Seek peace and pursue it. Now think about the sentiment in those words. Seek peace and pursue it. If, if peace and the source of peace is a person, he's the prince of peace, he's the mighty God, he's the wonderful counselor, he's the one who says, take heart, I've overcome the world. If Jesus is our peace, if it's the God of peace who crushes Satan, then the question is, is what is it that we're pursuing? See, what I want you to make the connection to is that if the source of peace is a person, the substance of peace is pursuing that person. Are you pursuing the person of Jesus? Friends, if you were to take a few moments and just reflect, what areas do you need to grow in in terms of spiritual disciplines? Friends, when it comes to studying the word of God, is that something you do or you desire for some other person to do for you? Friends, is desiring to know and discover the peace of God, is that something that you hope somebody will give to you or, or is it something that you hope that Jesus will give to you? Think about his words in John chapter 14. Peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. Friends, if you and I are not going to God and his word to discover peace and we're looking for peace from someone else's devotional time, friends, we're pursuing peace maybe in the wrong place. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. Are you pursuing him? Friends, what's your prayer life look like? How can you grow in that way? Maybe it's setting a, 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 a clock reminder. Maybe it's getting you a piece of paper or a journal and beginning to write names down so that instead of trying to recall them out of the blue, that you have a list of people that you're praying for, ways that you're intimately searching after in your walk with Jesus. What does it look like for you to have solitude, just some silence before God? When's the last time that you set everything aside and you just... You put on some music and you just worshiped God, not in the mixed uh, company, not in a corporate setting, but just you, you and God alone. When's the last time that you sat on the back porch and you reflected on the glory of God and his goodness? When's the last time that you sat and you just enjoyed the person and the work of Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace? Friends, if you haven't, I would encourage you to build time into your schedule for that very thing. Consider the words of Paul to the church of Rome in Romans chapter 8. A fantastic passage that um, gives introspective thought to our relationship to God. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of, on the spirit is life and peace. He says, friends, here's what he's saying. He goes, look, if you want to set your mind on earthly things, on earthly treasures, you, you want to pursue what's fleshly, which means is corruptible, which is uh, perishable, that will, will burn up with fire, that will no longer be here, things that corrode or rust. He goes, if you want to set your mind on things like that, he goes, great, but it's not going to bring enjoyment. It's not going to bring satisfaction. It's not going to bring peace. It's not going to resolve your feelings of anxiousness or doubt. He goes, it's going to bring death. But he goes, in retrospect, or in contrast, he says, if you want to set your mind on the Spirit, it'll bring life and peace. Friends, the source of our peace is Jesus. The substance of the peace is following after Jesus, setting your mind on things above. Friends, are you experiencing His grace and His mercy and His provision? Are you enjoying 
your coffee? Are you sipping on it often and thinking about the goodness of God? Or are you with a frantic pace hurrying from place to place, knowing that there is a source of peace, but refusing to tap in to the God of peace? Friends, may I just tell you that peace can never be found on what's happened in terms of external circumstances, but just on the eternal promise of God's word. And so let's talk about this. Maybe you'd say, you know what? I I know the source of peace and the substance of peace. Well, my friends, I would ask you this Christmas, are you spreading peace? And so let's talk about real quick, the spread of peace. Now, when I think about the spread of peace, I'm not talking about going to Walmart and and shouting with jubilation about who he is and what he's done. I'm not talking about singing Christmas carols to your neighbors. When I think about spreading peace, I think about possessing it. And, And here's what I would just say. If peace is a person and the substance of peace is following after him, then let me just leave you with this thought. Peace is not something that we would possess and, and then fail to express. So like if we know the person, the work of Jesus, then we need to express the person, the work of Jesus. We need to tell others about him. And, and it's not just in our jubilation. It's not just in our conversations. But can I just tell you, there's two places that I would encourage you to think of this week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is exhorting and encouraging and and even in some ways admonishing his audience that if you are going to be a believer in this day, then he goes, may people see it in the way you live your life with others. Strive for peace with everyone. A similar sentiment that Paul writes to the church of Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Now in this particular context, you is me. So on three, we're all gonna say me. One, two, three, me. If possible, so far as it depends on me, on you, live peaceably with all. Friends, what I think is one of the most troubling things around Christmas is that there are so many people who would claim to know the source of peace, who would in many ways say they're pursuing the substance of peace, the presence of God, but yet there's division in the ranks. Friends, there there are people in this room this Christmas that the number one priority you need to do is to resolve conflict in your life, to pick up the phone right now and pursue peace. Because it's, It cannot be said enough that if you are following Christ Jesus, then it means that you cannot have unresolved conflict in your life. The reality, you can't say, I know the source of peace, I'm pursuing the substance of peace, but then you're not exhibiting it in the way you live with others. And friends, if I could just be real honest with you for for just a sec, probably the hardest thing for me as a pastor this year has been to see brothers and sisters who in many ways would proclaim with their lips that they love Jesus, but at the same time curse men. James 3 just shows us that there's a conflict oftentimes that takes place with our tongue. That we can't say that we love God and then we slander others or 
uh, that we set forests to blaze or that we guide large ships with this little object like the tongue. We, we can't do that. And so my question would be this, when's the last time that you slandered somebody without knowing the truth? When's the last time that you said something hurtful to a group of people and you didn't give someone else the right to defend it? When's the last time that you didn't pursue peace? Friends, here's the deal. How is it that time and time and time again, we get together with our Christian friends pursuing the Prince of Peace, and yet we don't exhibit it with our lives? How is it that Christians seem to have so much conflict in their lives that's unresolved? And not only that, that it's unresolved, but that we in some ways are content to never resolve it. Friends, that can't be. It's conflicting with the message of the gospel. You can't know peace, the source of it. You you can't um, understand where ultimately it's flowing from and not exhibit that. And so I would just encourage you to exhibit peace. Let me leave you this question. How can you and I claim to know peace and exhibit no peace? See, I asked a similar question last year and I just ask you that question. How can you as a person today say, I know Jesus Christ, he's the source. He's the substance of peace in my life, but then not exhibit it. And friends, I would just tell you that it's disheartening oftentimes as a pastor, as a leader to see conflict in the church unsettled. It is very difficult to see division in in the ranks that's gone in many ways not unnoticed, but unresolved. Friends, may we be about pursuing peace this Christmas. As we close today, I wanna do so with prayer. And then I want you to see that Christmas is not Christmas because of, of ultimately the season or the trees, but the source of Christmas, the Prince of Peace, our mighty God, our everlasting Father. Christmas is Christmas because of Christ. Take out Christ, there is no Christmas. Let's pray, and then I want you to check this out. Father in heaven, may you use your words today to bless your kingdom. May they bring you honor and glory, and may they be for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.